Can you all see me? Uh, you know, I'm originally from Texas, so I, although I don't have an accent anymore, I throw in the occasional y'all so I can keep my I'm a Texan card. So, um, sorry, Dad. <laughs> but anyway, so you'll hear me say that a little a few times. So, uh, if you've come in here tonight with pain, with sickness, disease, injury, just like Max said, it can leave you tonight. You don't have to leave here with it, but I want to go a step further and say it's already leaving you right now. There are people in here right now that are being healed as we speak. Okay? We see that happen around here all the time. I don't just say that because it's me. I say that because we see the Spirit of God moving here like that constantly. People are getting healed in our praise and worship services. They're getting healed just sitting under the anointed Word of God. That's how it works. And that's the Spirit of God in action, right? It's the atmosphere of heaven. You know, in the, uh, the Lord's Prayer, didn't he say, My will be done on earth as it is in heaven? So we really just need to look at what heaven is like to discern his will, right? So I'm, just follow me for a minute here. Do you see any death in heaven? Now, I know that's a funny question because you die before you go to heaven, but there's no darkness in heaven, right? We walk in the light. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no poverty in heaven, right? I mean, streets of gold. So we know God's will is to heal, Okay, we also know that it's his will for us to live in divine health. And I'm going to show you some of those things tonight. So talking about the anointed word of God and people just being healed under the word. um, Let me share a testimony with you. When I was in my 20s, um, and if we're being honest, that was a while ago. Um, But anyway, when I was in my mid-20s, I'll make it sound a little better. um, I just... I just had your garden variety aches and pains. I just hurt, like, every day. Um, I would have headaches, and I would just have aches and pains and things like that. Nothing that you should be going through um, at any age, but especially not when you're young, right? You wouldn't expect that. However, I didn't think it was strange. I didn't know that it was different or weird um, until my friend told me. But um, every morning I would wake up, and I would take Advil or ibuprofen just simply because I knew some point throughout the day I would need it, and I would be in pain. Um, again, completely abnormal situation. So also at the same time in my life, I was really growing in my relationship with the Lord. And I was spending quite a bit of time in the Word of God. Now, I would not have articulated it this way back then. But now I see that I was just getting closer to my Father God. I was wrapping myself in His Word. And I, I was interested in it. I wasn't doing it legalistically. It's not because somebody told me I had to read the Bible. I wanted to and I was interested in what it said. And one day I just realized, you know, I don't hurt anymore. I don't have to take medicine anymore to feel better. And it was not ever a conscious decision that I made to stop taking an Advil every morning when I woke up. It wasn't, again, it wasn't conscious. It wasn't like an epiphany that I had overnight. It just simply one day it dawned on me, I don't hurt anymore. I don't have to take medicine to help me sleep at night anymore. And... I'm making better choices in my life, and I'm happier, and oh, it must be the word of God, right? Psalm 119 verse 50 says, for your word has given me life, and every time I read that verse, I read it a lot, and every time I read it, I say out loud, yes, God, that's true, that's true in my life, that happened to me, your word gave me life, physical life. 
And the word of God is so powerful. But how many of you guys know that it's not about, it's not just about the word because this book is true all day long, whether we believe it or not. But it's only true in your life when you believe what's in it, right? When you apply it, when you do what the Lord has said with the word. So let's talk about the word of God and a word from God, okay? Turn to John chapter 4, please. Now, I like to look for patterns in the scriptures. And I like to see when things worked for somebody, and then I see it repeated multiple times. I'm like, hey, there's something there. I mean, if it's, right, we know this, if it's, if he says it just one time, it's important. But if he, if he keeps repeating the same pattern over and over again, there's something we really need to see. So John chapter 4, starting in verse 46. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. Now, there's a lot there. Um, I want to break it down, though, a little bit. The first thing that we see about this man is he believed something about Jesus because he was willing to make a very long journey to find Jesus, right? We know from the end of the passage it was at least a day's journey that he had to go. So he was willing to risk leaving his son at the point of death to go find Jesus. So I want you to imagine his journey when he's going, it's not like he could just jump in the car and drive. It's not like from here to Twin Falls, right? So he's, he's on the road and he's going to find Jesus. Do you suppose that there were any thoughts that he was battling? Your son's, your son's about to die. You just left your son. He's about to die. What are you doing? What kind of father are you? But this man had such resolve that he went to go get Jesus. Now, I would even say that this man did not continually rehearse the fact that his son was about to die. On the way there, he couldn't because if he had, it would have zapped all of his strength, all of his hope, and all of his faith, and he never would have made it to Jesus. So he had to continually keep believing if I can get to Jesus, I can get my son healed. If I can get to Jesus, my son will live. If I can get to Jesus, if I can get to Jesus, not the doctor, if I can get to Jesus, my son will live. There's nothing wrong with doctors, but aren't you glad that you came to Jesus tonight? You didn't come in here to see the doctor, right? You came in here because you believe something about Jesus. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the healer. So he got to Jesus. Now listen to his heart. He implored him to heal his son. That word implored means he pleaded with him. He's basically begging him, Jesus, please come heal my boy. Come heal my boy. And he found out just shortly after that that Jesus was willing to heal his son, but Jesus didn't have to come on the journey to heal his son. 
Now, the next thing that Jesus did here was interesting. He challenged him with this statement. He said, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Now, that's just the treatment that Jesus had received in that area from others, okay? But this man didn't back down. He didn't say, he didn't walk away saying, okay, yeah, you're right. No, he said, he was even more adamant, and he said, Lord, come down before my son dies. Come heal my son. So then after Jesus spoke the word, go your way, your son lives, the man believed the word and went his way. So what was happening here? Faith was rising up in this man, right? Jesus gave him something to believe, and he gave his faith something to grab hold of. He had to give him a word so that he could grab hold of it with his faith, okay? It was at that moment, we read in the the passage, it was at that moment that his son was healed. The moment that Jesus said, go your way, your son lives, the servant said, that was the moment that the son was healed, So we know that faith comes by hearing a word from God. So now think about his journey on the way home. Completely different, right? He's elated. He is super excited. My boy is going to live. My boy is going to live. Oh, happy day. So as I read this particular passage, there's three main things that stand out to me. Number one, Jesus spoke. Number two, the man believed it. And number three, his boy was healed. It doesn't get any more simple than that. Jesus spoke, the man believed, the boy was healed. He spoke, the man believed, the boy was healed. Isn't that powerful? Okay, turn to Matthew chapter 8. This is one of my favorite accounts in the scriptures. Matthew 8, starting in verse 5. This is the story of the centurion. Excuse me. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Now, notice here that Jesus was willing, okay? The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. I'm going to say that. I love that. Only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Now skip down to verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. So do you see some similarities between the nobleman and the centurion and what he believed about Jesus? First of all, he believed Jesus could heal. He came to him desperate. He came to him begging him to come heal his servant, who, by the way, wasn't even there. I I love that part because it it just completely takes the limits off of what God can do. So they have that in common. When Jesus said, when he gave the word, the centurion had something that he could believe, right? His faith grabbed onto something. Now, I want you to notice something that Jesus did not say. The word is black and white. 
But when I, one of the ways I learn is I sometimes look for what's not said. And Jesus did not say to the centurion, whoa, 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 wait a second. Dude, you've got great faith, but I need you to bring your servant here to me because I need to know what he believes. We don't see that, right? In, in this case, apparently that wasn't the issue. In this case, the centurion's faith pulled the healing out of Jesus. The centurion had the... And also, he didn't even address the condition. He didn't address the fact that the man was paralyzed. So obviously that wasn't the issue here either. Now, picture this, uh, the servant, for a second. You could surmise from this that there had to have been some sort of accident or something that happened to paralyze the servant, because likely he wouldn't be the servant if he was paralyzed from birth, okay? So this guy's just hanging out at home. There's a fly up here. (laughs) Am I attracting flies? Um, There's a, uh, the servant's lying at home, just minding his own business, just being paralyzed and dreadfully tormented. Um, all of a sudden, he can feel something he couldn't feel before. All of a sudden, he can move something he couldn't move before. And all of a sudden, he can walk. He didn't know what was happening. We don't know if he knew that his master was out there trying to get him healed. All of a sudden, his life changed immediately just because his master believed. Now, if we were still in the servant master days, I want this guy to be my master. Right? I want somebody with this kind of faith speaking over my life. This guy was healed and he wasn't even in the same room with Jesus. Praise God. Okay, go to Luke chapter 8. And we're going to go to verse 41 to begin with. Excuse me. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now we're going to skip this next part, but if you're familiar with this passage, you know that this is where the woman with the issue of blood came up to Jesus and she interrupted the flow of everything that was happening. And she had the nerve to reach out and get healed. She just reached out and grabbed his garment and she was healed. So she stopped Jesus from going with Jairus who had a desperate situation. Okay, his daughter's about to die. And he's saying, Jesus, you got to come, please. I'm begging you. You got to come heal my daughter. Come heal my daughter. So skip down to... Um, verse 49, while he was still speaking, this is while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, do not be afraid, only believe and she will be made well. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl. Now all went, all wept and mourned for her, but he said, Do not weep, she's not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand, and called, saying, Little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned, and she arose immediately, and he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished. So, 
What do, we, what do we see here about Jairus? Again, it's the same thing with the other two. He was desperate. He believed Jesus could do something. He went to Jesus. Jesus gave him a word. But let's go a little bit deeper with what happened here with Jairus. He's going, Jesus is coming with him to heal his daughter. Jesus stops because this woman with the issue of blood. Jesus wasn't worried that he stopped. He wasn't, Jesus wasn't concerned about the situation he was going to take care of. Okay, then they get back on the way and the the men came to him and said, don't trouble him anymore. Your daughter's dead. So Jesus heard the bad report that Jairus got. Jairus obviously heard the bad report. Right. And and don't you suppose his heart just sunk immediately? Oh, well, Jesus knew what was happening at that moment. And Jesus said, do not be afraid. Only believe and she will be made well. Why would Jesus say this if it didn't matter what he believed about the situation? His heart had to be in that place where he believed Jesus could heal his daughter. And now he has to believe Jesus can raise his daughter. That's a completely different scenario. Sick, you know, my daughter's sick. She's, she's really ill. Come heal her. That's one thing. She's dead now. I have these two things that I have to consider. That, that's a really difficult time. Mean, I don't even want to think about how difficult that is. Jesus said, do not be afraid. Only believe and she will be made well. What, she believe, what he believed mattered. It mattered. Like I said before, it's what we believe about this word that makes all the difference. And the good thing is, is that this isn't just the, these aren't the words of a man. These are the, this is the spirit of God wrote this book through man. The spirit of God, this word is alive and powerful, like Hebrews 4 says. It is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. The word of God divides. So what can we learn from all of these people? We see that they all came to Jesus. First of all, Jesus didn't go to them. They came to him because they believed something. They believed he could heal. So it's not enough to just believe in Jesus. You need to believe something about your situation. They believed he could heal them. And then when they got to them, they found out he was willing to heal them. Now, based on what these people heard and saw him do for other people, they believed it. So doesn't the Bible tell us God's no respecter of persons? Doesn't it help to hear testimonies about what the Lord has done for other people? Because it builds our faith, right? So then Jesus gave them a word, they believed the word, and they got what they believed. Now, as I was looking at these accounts of healing, something became really clear to me. All of these people were still under the old covenant. Jesus had not yet gone to the cross. And what that means is that he hadn't yet paid for sickness. But they got healed. Why does that matter? They had no legal right to be healed for healing. Do you know what happened on the cross? When he died on the cross for us, not only did he pay for the sin of the world, but he paid for every sickness and disease that will ever exist, that has ever existed, that would ever try to come on you or anyone that you love. He paid for that on the cross 2,000 years ago. We have a legal right to be healed. 
this is my advantage over these people and what they experienced. But they got healed. So if I have an advantage, how much more should I and all of us be healed today? Not only healed in every situation that we're facing, but live in divine health. How much more is my advantage over what they experienced? My advantage, our advantage, can be summed up in three words. Very, in, in my opinion, these are three of the most powerful words I've ever read. It's in John uh, 19, verse 30. And you can turn there if you want, or I'll just read it to you. This is our advantage. Jesus said these words on the cross. It is finished. Not just, okay, it's done for a little while, and then I'm going to have to come back and do it again. And No. It is finished. And then he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the earth quaked. The veil was torn in two, right? At that moment, the dead, those that were sleeping, were raised. Praise God. So if it takes just, if we just need to believe a word from the Lord, I have good news for you. We have lots of good word from the Lord. So let me just give you some tonight that you can hang on to, okay? Uh, You can just write these down if you want to. I'll just read them to you. Psalm 103, verse 3. He heals all your diseases. All. That's an old covenant verse. He heals all your diseases. Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. I um, have a friend that lives out of state. And... um, she and I were talking on the phone one night, and she was telling me about some really tough things she was going through. And um, she, in her adult life, was uh, diagnosed with epilepsy, and she had real severe seizures, and, and it was really messing up her life. She's a single mom. They took away her driver's license. I mean, th- these, this was just, it came on her quick and really a bad situation. And the more she talked about it, the more angry I got. And not angry at her, Angry that the devil was messing with her. Angry that he was trying to to steal her life. Angry that he was trying to steal the mom from her son. And so I said something like this to her. I said, stop talking. I'm going to pray for you right now. And the word of the Lord was just rising up on the inside of me. It was righteous indignation, but I knew I needed to just stop her right there in her tracks and pray. So I commanded her to be healed. I commanded her body to be healed. I commanded the devil to take his hands off of her. And I commanded everything to change and peace to come. In that instant, everything changed on the phone call. It was calm. And prior to that, she was completely anxious. And and you can imagine why. I mean, it's a really bad situation. But everything went completely calm and peaceful. And a little while later, I talked to her. And I don't remember how long it was. It um, maybe a month or so, she said, you know, ever since that day that you prayed for me, I haven't had another seizure. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. That's the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. That's what happens when we rise up and we say, no, you don't have to go through this. I don't have to go through this. I'm not taking this anymore, and I'm going to stand in the gap for you. You don't have to take this anymore. Stupid fly. <laughs> take it anymore. Um, <laughs> 
So let me give you another verse. That this one I just love. Jeremiah 32, 27. It says, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh, the God of all mankind. Is there anything too hard for me? And I, I, I talk to myself out loud. Oh, good. Thank you. Whoever said me too. Um, I know it's weird, but I do. And so when I'm reading the word, I, I answer that question. He says, is there anything too hard for me? Now, I know that the Lord's not sarcastic, right? Because that's a bad thing, right? But um, I sometimes hear it with those ears. Like, are you kidding me? I'm God. Is there anything too hard for me? And I always say out loud, no, Lord, there's nothing too hard for you. And the reason I apply this verse to healing is because he made your body. He knows how to heal your body. He knows what you need. You know, if you've ever struggled with um, whether or not it was God's will for you to be healed, just look at the human body. Just a natural example. God designed us with an immune system. We have antibodies that protect us from disease and virus and then fight off conditions. So if it wasn't his will for us to be healed, why did he design our bodies to heal themselves, naturally speaking? So just, you can look at natural things and you can go, oh, okay, well, God made me this way. So even if I do have something that, um, that's come against my body, my body was designed to fight it off. So there's no body part he can't fix or replace. He designed you. The last verse I'll leave you with as far as a word from the Lord Tonight is 1 Peter 2.24. This one's worthy of looking at, so why don't you turn there? Well, they all are. I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) Now, this is Peter looking back on what Jesus did on the cross. It says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Again, there's our advantage. It's already been done. It's already been paid for. So all we do is we appropriate what the Lord has done on the cross. When he took stripes on his back, we simply appropriate that and we lay hands on the sick. Mark 16 says, those who believe, these signs will follow those who believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Again, I want you to remember, if there's anybody in here that needs healing in your body tonight, I want you to remember those three words. It is finished. It is finished. Not it will be finished. It is finished right now in your body in your life tonight. It is finished. So in just a minute, I'm going to invite people to come down front that need healing in their body. And in case there's anybody here that doesn't know how this works, um, you just simply come down here and, and you can you can tell me or you can not tell me what's going on in your body, but I'm going to lay hands on you and the power of God is going to go into your body. Okay, that's how this works. And you should expect changes to happen. 
You should expect to see something different, feel something different right away, because that's what, that's what happens. That's the Spirit of God moving.